All right, once again, Merry Christmas. Hope you enjoyed dreaming of a white Christmas, because that's all you got this year was just dreams. <laughs> but no matter the climate, even when we were in the desert in Africa, Christmas is Christmas, and we get to celebrate today. And it is the remembrance of the most amazing event the world has ever witnessed, the birth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. God became man and dwelt among us. So we're going to dive back into the story today. Um, you're going to need a Bible if you don't have one. So if you don't have one, just put your hand up and uh, our ushers will make sure that you get one that you can borrow for the service and look along with the story. Um, they'll get one to you as soon as they can. Well, this season we've been using the theme, the story of Christmas, as we walk through the remarkable account of Christ's birth. And today we're going to end that journey for this year. But before we do, we want to look at one more element one more event in this story. We want to look at the story of the wise men who came from the east to Jerusalem to pay homage to this king, the one who they had been led to by this brilliant star. This is the story of the magi, the astrologers who noticed a new star in the sky and followed it to the place where Jesus was born. And seeing the significance of this event, they brought their gifts. And what they saw in the sky led them to believe that a king had been born, and indeed he had. And so they brought gold, which meant worldly wealth fit for a king. And they brought frankincense, which signified the divinity of this king. And they brought myrrh, which signified the death of that king and their loyalty to this king unto death. Uh, I love uh, Tim Hawkins, a Christian comedian. I love his take on this scene. Uh, in one of his comedy routines, he's making a little fun of the wise men as he spoofs his way through the carol, Do You Hear What I Hear? Uh, he sings, A child, a child, shivers in the cold. Let us bring him silver and gold. And he goes, How about a blanket or a bowl of soup? And so it pushes me to ask this question, What have you brought? What do you bring to this child king, the Christ child? What gifts would you think are appropriate for him? If you had been the one urged to go and see what this sign in heaven was all about, and if you could have seen how clearly this sign pointed to the birth of a king, what would you have brought? What would you have brought? This morning, we're going to wrap up our series on the Christmas message by, by looking at what an appropriate gift to this baby king might look like. And so let's go to the story and enjoy what uh, Matthew recorded for our benefit. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read the first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 2. And this is how it goes. Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. Soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. 
After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now we have seen so many unlikely characters in the story of Christmas and now here we finally get to see some wise men, some kings, who seem fit to be in this story of the arrival of God into our world. But even these guys end up with an unlikely story as they find themselves under Herod's scrutiny and they have to sneak home using another route because they're afraid that they're going to give away the location of Jesus knowing that Herod cannot be trusted. And then an angel shows up again and tells Joseph to take Mary and Jesus and run away to Egypt. And Herod kills all the baby boys in the land and on goes this unlikely script in the story of the arrival of Jesus Christ in this world. But all unlikelihood aside, what should our response to this king be? What are some appropriate gifts that we can give this one who has everything yet deserves everything we have? Well, I think there are four things that we should discuss just briefly this morning, and, and then we'll go about offering them to the Son of God, the baby born in Bethlehem, the Jesus that we've come to know and love. The first thing that I think we should offer him in response to his gift to us is our presence, our presence. And no, I don't mean the ones that you found underneath the Christmas tree this morning. Um, not the pair of slippers from your grandmother, not the tie that you got from your kid that you know you're never going to wear, I'm talking about the P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E -E -E kind of presence, showing up, being there. Um, sometimes we treat God a little bit too much like how we treat other, others uh, in our lives, especially in certain situations like this one, where you're standing having a conversation with somebody and their cell phone rings or beeps that they've got a text. And instead of staying focused and engaged in the conversation, they get jittery. And you know that they want to just go for it. Like, that's the most important thing. They've got to get to their cell phone regardless of anything else that's going on in the world. And just how hard it is to have that kind of a conversation. Uh, I catch myself doing that too uh, sometimes, and I, and I end up scolding myself later on and going, just ignore it, just ignore it. It's not a big deal. Stay engaged. And the way that we treat God is often like that. There are just so many things that immediately take our attention away from the fact that he's there and that we can have this communion with him. We're so easily distracted. Uh, the world is one big continuous cell phone ringtone and, and we're supposed to be having a conversation with God, with our creator. How incredibly rude it is that I allow every little thing in my life to distract me from the conversation with him that God intended my life to be. Jesus says that we're, we're to abide in him. But we can't abide for five minutes because our life phone just keeps ringing over and over again. Listen to this reality. This is what David tells us about God in Psalm 139, verses 7 to 10. He says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. God is everywhere with his children. 
That's us. Jesus told his disciples when he returned to heaven that he would be with them always, even to the end of the age. He told them that he would never leave them, never forsake them. When Jesus was born, when he entered the world, he, God, never left. He was only gone for a very brief time until he gave us his spirit to dwell in us, to be there for us always. Wherever we go, he's there. Whatever we're doing, he's there. Whoever else we're with, he's with us too. You don't have to make an appointment to get together with God. He's already there. And all he wants from us is for us to be there too. He wants us to stop allowing ourselves to get distracted so easily. Um, next Sunday here at Chapel Hill, we're going to start a series of sermons in which we'll look at some of the disciplines that we can put into practice in our lives to remind us of this reality that God is here and he's given us his undivided attention, as hard as that is to believe. And that's an appropriate gift that we can give him. He wants our presence. He showed up and we ought to too. Second thing that I want to look at that I think would make an appropriate gift to this king is our praise, our presence and our praise. I want you to see just how common this response was in the story of Christmas itself. First character that we looked at in this story was Zechariah. The angel Gabriel told him that his wife Elizabeth was going to have a baby in spite of how old they were and how barren she was. And this baby would be John, the one who announced Jesus and his ministry as it was coming. Zechariah questions the angel and so on. But then the day John, Zechariah's son, is born, Zechariah gets his voice back, and this is how Luke records what happened. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak, doing what? Praising God. Very first thing. And then Zechariah says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and redeemed his people. And then there was Mary. She gets her own visit from the angel who tells her that she's going to be Christ's mom. And she goes off to see Elizabeth, her relative, and Elizabeth confirms for her the work that God is doing in them. And Mary responds with these words, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Mary goes straight to praise. And then there are the angels. First one appears to the shepherds, and then a whole army of them join the first one. They're there to announce the arrival of the, of the Christ. And so this is what happens. This is what Luke writes. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. More praise. But we're not done. Jesus is born and taken to the temple to be consecrated to God. Now, last Christmas, we looked at the two characters that were there to meet him, Simeon and Anna. And this is what happened when they encountered Simeon. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. It says Simeon praised God with those words. More praise. You get the picture? How disconnected do you have to be if you look again at the story of Christmas, no matter how many times you've looked at it, and you're not moved to praise? All through this divine story, God's saying to us, I want your praise. 
And when the holy, perfect, all-powerful, all-knowing God of the universe asks for our praise, there is nothing at all arrogant about his request. It is a totally appropriate request and a totally appropriate response on our side. So God wants our presence and he wants our praise. And another appropriate response from us that comes to mind is that of our priorities. Our priorities. How's this for an expression of God's priorities? From the mouth of his son, Jesus Christ, came the most famous words that we know in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God's priority has always been us. Has always been us. Even at the expense of his only son. And then, as if that wasn't enough, here's his son stating that priority himself the one who was going to suffer, the one whose life was being given. So the Father and Son have both made us their priority at great personal cost. And what's our response? Well, first we look, we look out for ourselves. And then we look out for our families. And then for our careers, and then our houses, and then our yards, and our cars, and then our pets, and then our bills, and then our recreation, and then with whatever we have left, we go to religion. And that's where he fits in. And we fit him in to help us feel good about ourselves and the cycle starts all over again. Back we go to taking care of ourselves. Is God incarnate in the person of Jesus Christ, indwelling in the person of the Holy Spirit, really your highest priority? Is he your highest priority? Is he even close to the top? For many in our society, inside or outside the church, it's a very honorable thing to keep your family in the place of your highest priority. And there's a struggle to do that, to not let your career take the top spot, to not let your status take the top spot. But is there even the start of a conversation to make God our highest, absolute highest number one priority? Yes, and even higher priority than our families. Wrestle with this if you need to. Jesus Christ set absolutely everything aside. He set aside his home in heaven. He set aside his place next to his father. He set aside his pain-free, sorrow-free, temptation-free existence in eternity to step into time for you and me. And we struggle to keep him as one of our top priorities, let alone our number one priority, unequaled, unrivaled, willingly chosen top priority. Is that an appropriate response to the king in the manger? Give him your priorities. Give him your priorities. He deserves our presence, our praise, our priorities, and our proclamation. That's your fourth P for the day, proclamation. Zechariah and Elizabeth gave birth to John. John spent his life proclaiming the arrival of the Messiah to the world. We mentioned Simeon earlier. There was someone else there at the temple to greet the baby Jesus. Her name was Anna, and she was a prophetess. She spent all her time at the temple. When Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple to be consecrated, this is what happened. Coming up to them, to Mary and Joseph, at that very moment, Anna gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Well, John was born to be the herald of Christ. Anna was a prophetess. This proclamation response was expected from them in many ways. But here are the characters that really make us look bad. 
Listen to the response the shepherds made to the baby king. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And 33 years later, after Jesus had lived his life here on earth, been crucified, died, was buried, came back to life from death and the grave and stood with his disciples to say goodbye before he ascended to heaven, this is what he told them. He said, you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, after all that has happened, after all that you have seen and heard, after all we've been through together, let me tell you what kind of response I'm looking for from you. Go tell the world about me. Go tell the world about me. I'll give you the power to do it. I'll be with you the whole time. Just go and tell. And they did. And the story of Christmas and the story of Easter and the story of salvation, the story of Jesus Christ, many years later, was told to you and me. Because those before us gave the king an appropriate response, an appropriate gift. Presence, praise, priorities, and proclamation. You got any wrapping paper left? It's not too late to lay your gifts before the king. He's waiting for your appropriate response. As the band comes now to lead us in that classic song, Go Tell It on the Mountains, to wrap up our service. And the ushers come to receive our tithes and offerings to God. Um, let's pray together and thank God once again for that most incredible gift, the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we are filled with gratitude today for this amazing story that is so much more than just a story the way we think of stories. This amazing account, this amazing factual, true, eyewitness account of all that took place 2,000 years ago when you entered the world. God, what an incredible thing it is that you stepped out of eternity in the form of your son, Jesus Christ, and walked this path with us. We thank you for stooping down so low to lift us out of the pit that we're in. We thank you for coming to give us hope, to express your love in such a profound way, to give us a future to give us a home in heaven with you for eternity. And Lord, we come before you today desiring to offer you an appropriate gift in response. And we know that the reality of this is that there's nothing appropriate we can give you outside of ourselves, our lives, 
to put you first, to recognize that you're right there with us 24-7 and live like you are. Father, we ought to be praising you. We praise you right now for who you are. Help us to do it more and more and more with our lives. And God, the one that we probably struggle with the most is the proclamation piece. Give us the courage to take this story, not just at Christmas or Easter, but any time, because every moment is an opportunity. Give us the courage to take this story to the world around us who so desperately needs this hope. Father, we give ourselves to you this Christmas as an appropriate response to the remarkable gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for this season, for this opportunity that we've had to remember, to celebrate, to reflect, to fellowship together for all that you've provided. Even now, don't let us miss the meaning of this day, this season, the significance of the reality that you stepped out of eternity and gave your son up for us. Praise you for what you did in a stable with a baby that was laid in a manger and for how you have called us into your story. We praise you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.